Welcome in to the sports show. It's been a while. I'll just start off by just saying I, I deeply apologize for it being uh, as long as it has been. Uh, we started this thing last fall. I believe tonight is, is episode number five of our all sports show here at Impact Media. Of course, that means I'm Jeremy the Impact York. Whether you're just stumbling on this podcast, whether somebody told you to listen to it, by the way, that'd be a really good friend you should buy a mistake dinner or, uh, you know, Venmo them some dollar swords or Netflix, something. Either way, or whether you've been a long-time listener, thanks, Mom. Oh, and and, uh, and, and a kill Akil Coleman that, that uh, we talk about all the time as well. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Uh, however you found us tonight. Thank you. Um, it was good to hear. It was good to, to hear that song again. And it's good to be back on. Um, just a lot of stuff has happened. I know we missed a lot of the football season. You guys probably wanted to hear my take on some of that stuff. And, and uh, once again, I just apologize. Uh, just, I'm not even going to chalk it up to 2020, but just through things with my day gig, because this is my nights and weekends gig, um, other things that happened here and there, uh, personal, professional, all kinds of things, just, it, it made it to where this show didn't happen the way it should. And I, and once again, I apologize, but we're back. I can't tell you the last time that we've had two shows in the same week, but stay tuned, Impact Media friends and family, because as of tomorrow night, we're going to have three. We're going to have three. Uh, the first show we'll do each week, of course, will be our our Strong Style which is our MMA and pro wrestling show. The second show we will do each and every week will be this show, the sports show, where we talk about everything that's not MMA, pro wrestling, or hockey. You know, I know at one time I was going to morph the third show, Board Check, which will be our third show each week. They will be in that order, no matter what. Uh, I know I say that, I creative freedom I, I may swap them occasionally but that's that's the order in in uh in foresight that we have going forward i know i said i was going to combine board check into this one but hockey deserves its own show so it's keeping its own show and there will be some special editions 
here and there. We're working on some video-related content, um, some things on the weekend that, that uh, we're going to get into as well that will involve one or all three of the shows at various points. So when those happen, we will uh, make sure to post those the same way we do these and also let you know about our YouTube channel. But there are some special things we want to do, some things we want to set up, and things that I think you guys are going to enjoy. But enough of talking about things that did or did not happen or things in the past. First of all, even though tomorrow night is the next board check show, happy opening day to all you hockey fans. Um, Right now in the studio, we have Pittsburgh and Philly that are just into the third. Pittsburgh just tied it up. Um, Toronto and Montreal just started. There is another game at eight. There are five games total tonight. So if you are a NHL fan, happy opening day. It's finally here again. I'm super excited. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Um, if you are an ECHL fan, of course, that would be, uh, for, for lack of a better way to put it, the, the kind of the double-A level. It's still professional hockey, but the double-A level of, of the NHL. Then uh, your seasons have been going for the last month. If you're an AHL fan, it's looking like early to mid-February, AHL is going to start up. So if you are in a city that has one of these teams, go support them as much as you can, whether that's be there in person, whether that's buying the gear, well, it's just telling people about them so they can watch them. Those are the things you can do. But that's tomorrow night. We're gonna we're gonna do a, a full season preview. We're gonna talk about all the big stories each and every week. That's board check. This is the sports show. Tonight, I'm gonna do a, a season review of Georgia State. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk Atlanta United. But first. I'm going to talk NFL. It has been a it has been a uh, just uh, crazy, ridiculous year. <laughs> Stop me when you've heard that one before. Uh, the first round of the playoffs happened over this weekend, and I said going in, for people who don't know, the Cowboys are my team. We had no business being in the playoffs, which was good because we didn't make it. it's that's a whole. I, I could do eight hours on the state of the Cowboys right now, but I'm not going to. What I said going into these playoffs were, uh, there's a pretty good shot that the top seeds are going to advance, but if the lower seeds were to pull off uh, miracle wins or even dominating wins, hey, I'm all for that too. The producer in me, the, the media producer in me, likes to root for chaos. Chaos is uh, when the expected result is not necessarily the uh, actual result. That being said, let's go over these games. Indianapolis 24. Buffalo 27. Buffalo found a way to hang on to this one. Um, some of the storylines coming out of this one, obviously, is Phillip Rivers going to continue to play? If not, I think he could be in a media booth. I'm not real sure. There's, I think he's actually wanting to be a high school coach, so there's always that. Um, 
Indianapolis has got to fix a few things on their defense, but who doesn't? Uh, we had Josh Allen, who continued to show why he is an MVP of this league. And we had Buffalo prove to everyone that not only are they the best team in the AFC East, but they're they're going to wreck more than one team in this playoff. There's a chance they uh, they could wreck somebody's season this coming up this week. We'll get into who they're going to play here in a minute. Next game. Los Angeles Rams 30, the Seahawks of that town called Seattle 20. It wasn't this close. It wasn't. The Rams come out and punch the Seattle Seahawks in the mouth. And as Mike Tyson famously said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. It seemed like Seattle was just trying to hang on at that point. Like, uh, you know, to borrow something we say in our MMA show. It's like taking a, just a big shot to the, the side of the head to start with, and you're doing everything you can to just hang on till, till the buzzer goes off. Uh, you know, they do have Russell Wilson. They do have Chris Carson. They do have Tyler Lockett. They have a lot of big pieces on offense, DK Metcalf. They have a pretty decent line. It got a lot better as the year went on, but it didn't matter. The Rams come in with a purpose, and their purpose was this is the third time we're going to see Seattle this year. We're going to send them home. This is the ultimate chance to send them home, and we're going to. And I mean, not only were they already at home, but to say, you're not playing anymore. And so that's what the Rams did. Storylines coming out of this one. Early on, there was a hit from a Seattle defender that I felt was uh, on a defenseless player. Even though it was a quarterback, he was already in his slide. He is defenseless at that point. It uh, ended up being, uh, what was his name, Walford, who was the backup, who actually happened to be playing. And I think this was one of the turning points of the game because when this happened, the Rams just turned up the intensity and said, okay, well, you're not beating us now. But there was no flag, no call, no nothing. So once again, Seattle gets away with absolute murder, basically, as they always have. And this is part of why, you know, you're either you either live in Seattle and you love them, or you're outside Seattle and you don't like them. It's not necessarily the players' fault; so they're playing the game. But the referees like to swallow their whistle, especially when Seattle's at home. I, I felt like that hit. You, you, I'm not saying ejection or anything. But no, that's 15 yards. And that's that's a personal foul, and that and that's a warning to that guy that if you do it again, you're out. We're trying to clean up the game. No, we don't want everybody just two hand tagged. No, but that's shoulder to the face mask on a sliding player. What's legal about that? But the football gods even that out because Jared Goff came in, and even though he was dinged up with a uh, recently surgically repaired thumb or, or whatever's going on with it, uh, he seemed to take over the game and, and had that mentality that you're not going to beat us, not today. 
And so they sent Seattle home. Things coming out for Seattle. Uh, a lot of people thought that John Schneider, the GM, were was going to get stolen by Detroit. Yeah, didn't happen. Uh, he was, I think, he was signed to an extension. Pete Carroll's going to be around for a couple more years. Uh, there, there's still a few more years. They're going to keep the band together up there. It'll be interesting to see what they do. They have some pieces. They're going to need to turn over a few. Seattle's still going to be there. The Rams have probably have a little more work, but they're also still in the playoffs. So we will see what uh, happens from there. But big win, Rams. Tampa Bay 31, Washington football team 23. Now, what's his name? Uh, Henneke? He's from actually right down the road here in Georgia, I'm pretty sure. Went to high school left that way. Uh, he came in and did some fantastic stuff. He had this team in it until he got dinged up towards the end. He was holding his own. The Washington football team are, are a lot better than you think they are. They were holding on, holding their own, not holding on to. They were holding their own with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are going to have some issues going forward. Because if you have problems with the Washington football team, what happens when you go against one of the other three remaining teams? But your storyline's coming out of this. Obviously, you got uh, is Alex Smith going to continue to play? It's a big decision. He proved that he could come back. Does he want to keep trying to play? And if so, then it tend to me, Washington has their quarterbacks. I would I would run him and Henneke. In camp, I'd have them with a competition. Winner gets the job. Uh, with the other being your your backup, like your one A, your one B. I I don't see where that would lead them wrong. Unless you just have the the absolute opportunity to grab somebody, but you made the playoffs, so you're going to have a a low twenty. You know, 20, 21, 22 is going to be your draft position. It's going to be kind of hard to pick the next big guy there. You could. But who knows? Uh, Tampa Bay going forward. We saw Tom take over and, and beat Tom. We saw them. Uh, I know some running backs got dinged up for them. Some other people got dinged up for them. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to figure out distribution as well because they had to turn it on to make this work. There was a, there was a, a real good shot. That's only an eight point win against a team they should have beaten by fifteen. And once again, like I said, if Washington is giving you fits, what happens when you go against one of these other teams? But. Good win, Buccaneers. I know Tampa fans, one in particular, will come after me for doing that, for going after them. But show me something. You made it this far. You you won. Now what? Baltimore 20. Tennessee 13. This turned into more of a strategic chess match than anything. Derrick Henry was shut down. Baltimore's pretty good at that. And really the main difference, the main score that put Baltimore ahead was like a 41-42 yard run by Lamar Jackson, which is honestly his strength, is his running. We know that. Um, I, I'm still not sold on his arm. I'm still not sold on some other parts of his game. 
that he needs to spend some time developing. Josh Allen spent the offseason fixing almost every hole in his game. Now they're fixing the team around him. Baltimore has the team around Lamar, but they're not explosive. When you have somebody like Hollywood Brown, you you have Mark Ingram, you have these guys that are explosive, and you score 20 points in a playoff. And, and Tennessee's good. I'll give you that. But it there's really no excuse that you, you had to rely on a 40-plus yard run by your quarterback to win the game. Baltimore, you have issues, and you know that. But you have issues. Storylines coming out of this. Well, you got the Ryan Tannehill debate. Do you uh, move forward with them? Once again, they're going to be in the same boat as Washington. That um, if you're wanting to move on, you're going to go for a free agent, or you're going to try to draft somebody low in the first round, or you try to move up. I guess you, either of those teams can move up. Um, also, you've got to shore up more of that offensive line. They are really good, but they tend to get dinged up because they're having to block so hard for Derrick Henry. Um, at some point, you're going to have to have somebody behind Derrick Henry other than him. And um, beyond that, I, I think Brable does a great job. I think he's he's one of the up-and-coming, if not really good coaches. And I think he's doing some good stuff. He's got some some uh, things to button up, some things to shore up. But I think Tennessee's going to be right there again next, next year. Baltimore going forward. Well, I just talked about it. I don't trust Lamar Jackson to throw the ball to, to win the game. It's kind of Tennessee's fault that he ran for 40-plus yards and, and the score because it's his main weapon. It's like trying to fight King Arthur. Guess what? He's got a giant sword. If you're not looking out for the giant sword, that's on you. You somehow do something with a giant sword, okay, now you get to see what kind of warrior he really is. He's got to come up with something else. But you stared down King Arthur and his sword. I used to know the name of that sword, too, but I can't. Excalibur? Excalibur, I think. You're staring down. Uh, you're staring down King Arthur and, and Excalibur and saying, okay, we know that's what you're going to use, so use it. Uh, other things for Baltimore. They. they it seems like they could move on from Mark Ingram. Second time in his career, this is going to happen. This time, if he's being replaced, he doesn't know it's replacement at the moment. But they could move on from him. If so, you've, you've got to get... To me, Mark Ingram is like the next Frank Gore. He's just going to keep plugging along. He's a big power back. He can still play. Um, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if he was a cowboy. Um if he's available, I think the Falcons should give him a shot because he's going to be what you what you hired Todd Gurley to be, but he wasn't. Other things in Baltimore, you've got to be way more dynamic. You, like I said, you have Hollywood Brown. You have, I mean, you signed Des Bryant. I know he didn't get to play or play much, but you have these people who can make big plays, and yet you're relying. On your quarterback to run. It's only going to take you so far. But, once again, win to Baltimore. They're moving on.
Chicago 9, New Orleans Saints 21. At one point, Chicago was controlling this game. And then the Saints found a seam and they ripped the game open. There's that dynamic. That dynamic thing, that big game-breaker opportunity, and they were able to do it. Chicago, they have some decisions. They have some decisions going forward. Here's some storylines coming out of this one. Chicago's got to figure out, you got Nick Foles for one more year, I believe, no matter what. I think you keep him, whether he's your starter, whether he's your backup. Mr. Trubisky, uh, he proved a lot this year. I'll give him that. But if you get the opportunity, if you get the opportunity to potentially move on, or to move on to somebody else, it could be available. There's there's going to be some people out there, maybe. Then I, I think you got to consider it because Nick Foles. You saw what Nick Foles and Mr. Trubisky did this year. Yes, they got you barely into the playoffs, but I would say two-thirds of the credit, if not more, goes to your defense. Your defense at one point had New Orleans under 10 points, and that was not like, oh, in the first five minutes. No, they were doing well. They were making things happen and keeping New Orleans really on their backs. So your defense is what's holding you in this game. Your offense scored nine points. You've got to figure out a way to be better and be more dynamic. You're, you're looking at Baltimore. Baltimore's defense holds them in games. The only difference is, is they have Lamar Jackson. They can open up and have these big runs that, that seem to help things. So Chicago coming out of it, you got an Allen Robinson. You, uh, you, your runners are good. So you got to work on the quarterback. Because it's the same rule as in college. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. So, storylines come out for New Orleans. Um, Typical New Orleans fashion, slow start. I think at some point they're going to move on from their uh, top receiver, Michael Thomas, because I think he's turned into a diva. Um, this is probably Drew Brees' last hurrah before he moves into the booth. You've got your uh, your gadget quarterback, Taysom Hill, because Jameis Winston's going to move on somewhere else. You know, uh, I'll be honest, Chicago, you, you could do worse than Jameis Winston. He might be somebody you want to consider. Marcus Mariota, one of those guys. Uh, they might be better than you have, maybe. Um, but New Orleans, not only next year, but moving forward, they showed they can score three touchdowns. But the way some of these games are going to go in this, this playoff year, you're going to have to score 25, 30 points to even be close to winning a lot of these games. So New Orleans is going to have to find a way to pick it up. And their defense is going to have to make a couple more stops. This was a Chicago offense that the most – one of the most offensive things about them outside of Allen Robinson is the fact that they're calling themselves an offense. But we'll see what happens next round this weekend in uh, with New Orleans. And then lastly, 
the one that uh, it actually made me smile quite a bit because I know a lot of fans of this team, and it's a long-suffering city, and it's like this. If you're going to make a statement and you're going to really just smash somebody, just really disrupt everything, then that's great. If you're the underdog and you smash the favorite, that's even better. If you're doing the first round of the playoffs, oh, man, we're talking trifecta. Let's go for the quadfecta, I guess. Do it against your rival. Because the Cleveland Browns scored 48 points. Pittsburgh Steelers 37. Most uh, most of Pittsburgh's was garbage time things. that made it look a lot closer than it was. It was not an 11-point game. It was about a 50-point game. Cleveland scored, what was it, 28 in the first quarter. And it's because of this. Cleveland has circled this on the calendar. Hey, all we got to get in and we're going to disrupt somebody. They did. Pittsburgh, I don't know if they bought a 2021 calendar yet. I don't know whose job it was to let them know that they had a game this weekend, but they didn't tell. But this is Pittsburgh. There are a lot of gamers. There are a lot of personalities. Tomlin does a great job with them, usually getting them prepared. But they just totally showed up and thought they were just going to, you know, sign the guest book and, and walk away with this thing. And Cleveland said, au contraire, mon frere. Which, let me translate real quick in French for you, is uh, hold up there, buddy. Storylines coming out of this one. Uh, obviously, Big Ben with Pittsburgh. He has a $41 million cap hit, whether he plays or not. That's without extending his contract and pushing some of that down the road. That is a big albatross to deal with. Not to mention Big Ben's a big albatross to deal with. Um, other things, I don't think you get rid of Tomlin. It would be stupid. he will be hired in two seconds. But you have to have a meeting with him on top of you have to have a meeting with the players now and say, why were you guys so ill-prepared for this? You weren't prepared at all. You seriously showed up to – it's like showing up to school without even a book bag. What do you plan on doing? No pencil, no paper. I mean, what did, did you think it was movie day? You, you think we're just going to sit around and, and uh, share stories from the summer? Then we're going to go to lunch and go outside and play and then nap time, then we go home? No. This is the NFL. This is the NFL, folks. And Pittsburgh's got to be more prepared. That's That's what it comes down to. Cleveland coming out of this. Um, I think Baker Mayfield said it said it perfect. He said, when asked after the game, uh, you know, knowing that not many people were believing in you guys, you know, how do you get yourself up for this game? And he says, because we don't care what the other people think. They don't. Their fans their enemies, uh, fans of other teams, doesn't matter. They like, sure, they like the support they get from their Cleveland Browns fans. They're not saying that, but they're saying when you're going to be a professional football player, you can't listen to what the people on the outside of the building are saying. Now, when they're in the stadium, it's nice to hear them cheer for you or boo, whatever. But he's saying everybody in the building believed each other. 
And so they believed in each other. They kept pushing each other. And they showed up ready to go. And they smashed somebody. How great is that? So shout out to Cleveland Browns fans that um, that I'm aware of. I'm not necessarily friends with all these people. People that I know right off the top of my head. Um, Mike the Miz Mazanin from WWE, also from the WWE. Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, Chris Rose from the NFL Network and uh, formerly MLB Network and all that. That's a, that's a That could be an eight-hour rant myself. Um, Mr. Uh, Bednarowski that I see at KSU games. He was with the Marietta Daily Journal. Congratulations. Congratulations, uh, Chad Payson. Good buddy of mine. Actually, actually good buddies to him. Uh, this, this is something me and him had talked about before that game had started. I was like, you know, if the Browns come out and shocked everybody, it, it, they really wouldn't shock everybody because I, I could see it, and this, this would be great. Who knows? It, it probably won't happen, but, hey, if it did happen, how great would that be for just the city of Cleveland? So it was. So congratulations to Cleveland on their big win. Now, this sets up these four games this weekend. Saturday, 435 Eastern, that is on Fox who has the bookends this weekend. The number six ranked L.A. Rams are going to travel to Lambeau Field to take on the number one ranked Green Bay Packers. Here's another one. In, in, uh, in foresight, Green Bay is probably favored by five, six, seven, something like that. A lot of people think Green Bay win by about ten. They could. But this is a Rams team that just knocked off their rival, the Seattle Seahawks. And while Green Bay and Seattle play uh, slightly different styles, I can see this going the other way. And uh, and I'll give my picks at the very end of the show. Hopefully I remember. But I'll give my picks. But that is the early Saturday game. The late Saturday game, 8-15 on NBC. This is their lone game. The number five ranked Baltimore Ravens are going to go to Buffalo to take on the number two Bills. Here's another one. Can the Bills keep their hot start going? Can Baltimore find more offense? This could be really, really good. Uh, let's see. Sunday at 3.05. You got the number six-ranked Cleveland Browns that I just talked about going to Kansas City. Take on the number one-ranked Chiefs team. That is a CBS game. There's another one. Talk about disrupting. Could Cleveland pull off the double upset, knock Pittsburgh out one week and knock Kansas City out the next? Sure. Absolutely. Why couldn't they? Why not, right? But could Kansas City continue to roll and let everybody know that, hey, this is their league? Sure. But I think we saw some chinks in the armor from the Chiefs this year. And we know that Cleveland could be inconsistent. This could be possibly the game of the week. There's some there's some pretty good matchups. I'm going to go ahead and say this game is probably the best game of the four. My fallback is uh, Green Bay, L.A., but it's kind of the easy one. Then that leads us to the last game. 
where? On Fox at 640, number five ranked Tampa Bay is going to go to New Orleans to take on the number two ranked Saints. This will be the third time these teams have played this year. What does that mean? Exactly that. It means that this is the third time they're playing this year. The other two games don't matter at this point. Once you make it into the playoffs, the record's reset. The only thing that matters is seeding at that point. But right now, one being ranked five, one being ranked two, means zero. Because the winner of this takes on the winner of the Rams' green bet. Doesn't matter what their rankings are either. The winner of those two games play each other for the right to go to the Super Bowl. That's all, those, that's all these games mean at that point. And they're huge. Absolutely huge. So like I said, I'll get my picks here in a minute before we get out of here. Uh, the, the big thing going on right now, I was going to go over teams that, that may need some sort, some sort of uh, house cleaning or change, and, and there's a bunch of them. But uh, instead of going into those, um, kind of the, the, the big story going on right now is that Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston. And I heard what I heard is the same thing as what a lot of you guys heard. You asked me, and then I looked into it. I heard part of it has to do with that he wanted Eric the enemy, and he wanted them to build a better team around him. And they did neither of the two. Okay. Well, the rumor is, the other part of the rumor is that he is okay with a trade to Miami, which would include Tua and some other pieces. Now, these two teams traded just earlier this year. Laramie Tunsil going to Washington, which helped them a little. And it's also going to give Miami a uh, spectacular, I don't like the four or the five pick or something, or nine pick. It doesn't matter. It's going to give them another first-round pick up high. So maybe Houston can recoup some of this. But who benefits from this trade? Uh, The Miami Dolphins. Tua shows that he has promise. He's, you know, he is going to do some things. But what this also means, it doesn't matter, and it doesn't even matter what pieces at this point. Tua gets dinged up a little bit. So does Deshaun. But if you put Deshaun in Miami, that team goes from you know, borderline six, seven wins to potential playoff team immediately. This is before the draft. This is before free agency, any of this. And with Houston, uh, they're just right back in rebuild mode. At that point, you move on from any other veterans, including J.J. Watt, because you're not ready to compete. So, could this happen? Who knows? This is kind of fantasy land. You guys know we don't we don't spend a lot of time in fantasy land here, but hey, it's it's something, you know, it's something. Um, it's gonna kind of round out my NFL coverage. 
let's go to kind of a season review. It's going to be kind of a quick one for Georgia State. I, I couldn't be more proud of, of uh, being able to cover Georgia State and uh, the amazing season that they carved out. There were times when it looked really good. There were times when it looked bleak. Um, overall, it was it was an up and down season, but they ended up making the Lending Tree Bowl, where they took on Western uh, Kentucky, beat them thirty nine to twenty one. I saw that game. We all watched that here at the studio. It was uh, it was fantastic to see them go up big on on a on a big program like Western Kentucky. They're now two and zero in bowls versus Western Kentucky as they beat them a couple years ago in the Cure Bowl. Um, they were also the fourth best team in the entire Sun Belt. I'm including the East and the West. The fourth best, and that's because Coastal Carolina was eight and zero. University of Louisiana were seven and one. Appalachian State were six and two. And they held and Georgia State was four and four along with Georgia Southern, but they held the topper. They were the fourth best team in the Sun Belt. That's incredible. It's incredible. Because if I'm not mistaken, all three of the teams in front of them in the standings beat them. <laughs> that was three of the losses right there. But this team, Coach Elliott. Has them ready each and every week. And I'm not just trying to pump it up because I, I get to cover them. No. When you watch this team, this team is is on the verge of turning that corner to where in the next couple years, we're dominantly talking about them being top three, top four in the Sun Belt Conference every year. And, uh, you know, Quad Brown with his breakout. His first season. Now, they have got some transfers in, including a quarterback out of Furman that could give him a lot of competition. It will be interesting to see what happens with that. But overall, this is a success, uh, this is a success. as Coach Elliott said. The... Uh, you you make a bowl game, you win a bowl game. They're now two and two in bowl games, with a win in the Cure Bowl a couple years ago, two years ago. Uh, they lost the Arizona Bowl, I believe, last year. They won the Lending Tree this year, and two years before this, the win in the Cure Bowl, they lost the Cure Bowl to San Jose State, who was a smash team this year. This Georgia State team, they're 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 there. And and they're exciting. Hopefully, if if uh, more fans are allowed in next year, you guys come down and see them. If not, find a way to watch this team. They are fun. They are dynamic. They are going to start really, really turning up the the volume. And uh, Panther football is is going to be one of the the next big things in Atlanta. It's it's. I've watched this team. I believe this is the fifth year. I've been covering this team since late 2015. It's it's just incredible. It's it's incredible each and every day that you you get to watch this team and watch them grow and the things they have done. It's uh it's it's just something else. Like I said, I couldn't be more proud of them. Shout out to uh, uh, all the the great people 
that make Georgia State football uh, amazing and that allow me the opportunity to cover. Now, real quickly, I want to talk a little Atlanta United because here's all the things that have happened since last I talked to you. Um, they hired a new head coach. His name is uh, Gabriel Hines. I think it's Hines. Could be Hines, eh? I'm going to say Hines. He was a defender for Argentina and Man United. Maybe you've heard of them. Signed a two-year deal for an undisclosed amount. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to you. Shouldn't matter at all what he makes. I don't care if it's a million dollars, if it's $40 million, if it's $100 billion. Who cares? He signed a two-year deal, which means they're giving him you know, most of the first year to get it all straightened out and to really start showing progress. And then the second year is a show a show consistency or they move on. I think he could do pretty good. I think he is more aggressive where DeBoer was more defensive. Because see, here was the problem. Tata Martinez was super aggressive. When he left, they bring in, they with the same super aggressive roster they give to Frank DeBoer. Frank DeBoer has... Um, Frank DeBoer is more defensive, but he's using a super aggressive lineup to try to be defensive. That's where he started running the issues. He finally starts to get some of his people in at the time they get rid of him. It happens. I could do many, many examples, including a team I've talked about in, in the last handful of minutes. And it could be pro or college. You don't know who I'm talking about. But, so they move on from DeBoer. Now they get another hyper-aggressive coach in, in Hines. And we will have to see uh, what he does. Because the roster is kind of a mix of hyper-aggressive and super-defensive. So we will see what kind of turnover happens with that. Um, a lot of people ask, what happened to Stephen Glass, the guy who took over as the interim coach? He did a pretty good job because a lot of the players had – had been with him with United 2, Atlanta United 2, which is the uh, the subsidiary. And uh, they say he's a likable guy, and people liked his style, and people, you know, did, you know, liked what he did. Well, he's back with Atlanta United 2, which I think is a great move. He's doing some fantastic things there. He is, for it to be the one that is feeding and, and cultivating the players up, well, he's doing a great job preparing them. So he is back with United 2. Uh, Eric Lopez is uh, looks like he's going to be on the big squad in 2021. He is the uh, player from Paraguay that we got late last year. Um, he spent some time with Atlanta United too, and uh, was, I did I think did get called up for the uh, Copa tournament that we were in late towards the season that we got eliminated from. It happens. But uh, Eric Lopez should be a fireball to put in the middle of this lineup and uh, look forward to seeing what he can do. They brought back Mikey Ambrose. They re-signed him, the defender. Uh, he's been with the team a good bit. He was happy to be re-signed. They had let him go. They did not renew his contract, but then re-signed him to uh, a new deal. So uh, good to have him back. They lost John Gallagher to Austin FC in the... Um, in the expansion draft, 
they do get back some general allocated money, uh, 225000 for that particular uh, move for losing him. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, they In the supplemental draft, or the re-entry draft, rather, they've traded the number four pick and 75000 in, I believe, general allocated money for the number one pick, which means they were going after somebody in particular. They did. They got Andrew Gutman, who played for FC Cincinnati. He also played for uh, Celtic before that. He was on loan from Celtic to FC Cincinnati. He's wanting to stay in the MLS, and now he's part of Atlanta United. And then they traded a – or they were able to obtain an international roster spot from – uh, Nashville FC for 175000 in GAM, or general allocated money. That's good. They need to free up some space, free up some uh, some player, some, uh, some chance to bring some other players in and to move some around. Like I said, you're going to see, I mean, obviously we're going to see, we're going to see Joseph Martinez back this year. He's back from his knee injury. We're going to see, a different mix of players. I think of we're probably going to end up seeing about half or maybe 60% of the ones from last year, but we're going to see a big turnaround. And we're just going to have to see where things go from there. But hey, it is what it is. And speaking of it is what it is, it's time for me to go. I know. It's terrible. But I'm Jeremy the Impact Gord. Thanks for tuning in to the sports show. Hopefully you enjoyed my NFL, GSU, and Atlanta United takes tonight. Next week, we will uh, get into some KSU football because they're going to kick off very, very soon. We hope to be a part of that. Obviously, we'll be talking NFL in the playoffs and some of the big stories as well. And who knows what else we could get into. Anything sports-related, there's a good chance we're going to talk about it. But once again, I'm Jeremy the Impact Door. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. Just business.